Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. It was a quiet evening on October 8, 1871, in the city of Chicago, USA. The O'Leary family had taken their evening meal. They had lit the lanterns in the house and had attended to the animals they kept in a barn behind their home. Patrick and Catherine O'Leary were preparing to retire for the night when suddenly a neighbor called out to the family, Fire! Fire! There's fire in the barn! By the time Patrick and Catherine O'Leary could get out of bed, the fire had spread. It quickly consumed the barn where they kept their animals. Before they could call the fire service, the fire spread to the surrounding homes. A strong wind began to blow, carrying the flames higher and further through the community. Within hours, the fire that began at the O'Leary compound was burning out of control in downtown Chicago. Though the fire service fought bravely, they lost the battle. The fire could not be contained. It burned for two days, destroying 2,000 acres within the city of Chicago and leaving one-third of the population homeless. When it was over, 17,500 buildings had been destroyed. The fire had burned a section of the city six kilometers long by one kilometer wide. More than two million books were burned and one-third of the value of Chicago was gone. To this day, no one knows for sure how the great fire of Chicago began, but it was reported at the time that a lit lantern was left in the O'Leary's barn. The lantern was kicked over by a cow and the flames caught the barn on fire. One thing led to another and the fire got out of control. The fire was worse than people expected and the city was destroyed. Fire is like that. It has so many positive and useful functions. What would we do without fire? With fire, we cook our food and light our rooms. Yet when the fire gets out of control, it is one of the world's most destructive forces. Outside the boundaries of safety, fire kills, steals, and destroys. It ruins lives, ends dreams, and reduces the most beautiful property to ashes and smoke. You may never have experienced an uncontrolled fire in your lifetime, and I hope you never will. But there is another type of fire that all of us have experienced. Not a natural fire, but an internal fire. It burns in the human heart and rages in the human body. Like natural fire, this inner fire has many good qualities. But just like natural fire, this internal fire will destroy when it is not kept within the proper boundaries. What is the inner fire that every man experiences? To be frank, it's sexual desire. When sexual desire is kept within God's boundaries, it provides excitement, joy, and contentment in life. It leads to happy homes and procreation. But when it burns out of control, it is more damaging than the great fire of Chicago. Millions of lives have been lost to the raging flames of sexual desire. Wars have been fought and nations destroyed because of something good that was allowed to burn out of control. But the good news for all of us today is this. There is a way for you to protect your life from the damage that uncontrolled sexual desire will bring. You can foolproof your life so that you avoid regret, heartbreak, and disaster. And it all begins here today as we discover God's word. But before we go on, let's pray. 
Almighty and everlasting Father, we pray you touch us today. Speak to us, O God, and help us to see the beauty of what you've given to us in our bodies, but also the wisdom to keep it under your control. We pray today that every person struggling with sexual desire will listen and heed your word and be transformed. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to bring light and life to our hearts. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment. Join your faith with mine right now. Just put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Truth For Today. You've picked a great day to join me as we continue our sermon series titled Foolproof. We're on a journey to discover the secret that can help you guard your life against regret, heartbreak, and disaster. We began this series last week with a foundational message on how to foolproof your life. Last week, I introduced the scripture text for this series to you. It's found in Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17, and we're going to read it again together today to remind ourselves of what we learned last week. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. But let's begin today by taking a moment to review what we learned last week in our first sermon. First of all, we learned that we all have the power to make choices, and choices have consequences. When the Bible says we are to be careful, it's reminding us that God has given us the power to choose. We can choose wisdom from God, or we can choose regret. And that took us to our second truth, wisdom has rewards. Wisdom is simply knowing and understanding what God wants. And when you base your decisions on what God wants, you always make the best decisions. It's always been important to make the right decisions. But I think it's even more important now because the days are evil. And if we're not careful, we'll end up with a life of regret. We'll miss wisdom's rewards and get stuck with consequences we didn't plan on. The fact is, this message is for everyone because we all have regrets. We all have things we've done that we wish we hadn't done. We all have made some unwise decisions. We have chapters in our lives, days, weekends, years. We would like to go back and relive or unlive. There are decisions we wish we could go back and remake. Maybe you made an investment you wish you hadn't made. Maybe there's an invitation you wish you hadn't accepted. Maybe there's a relationship you wish you had stayed out of or an event you wish you'd never attended. And looking back, we ask ourselves, how could I have been so blind? It's so obvious. The truth is, it's easy to see our mistakes after they've been made, but in order to stop the cycle of regret, we need to find a way to see mistakes before we make them and avoid them altogether. And to help you do that, I've given you a question that has the power to help you avoid regret. It's a question to ask of every decision, every invitation, every relationship, and every opportunity. What's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing for me to do? 
So let's begin today to take this foundational truth and apply it in a very practical way to the most important decisions of life. Today we're going to apply this question to one of the most important aspects of every life, relationships. And specifically, we're going to apply this question to sexual relationships. See friends, the fact is this, of all the areas of life we need to foolproof, none is more important than our relationships. But the good news is God knows all about relationships and the problems we have with them. He's watched every problem in relationships in human history. He's aware of all the excuses, all the confusion, all the emotions, and all the pain that relationships can bring. He's seen it all. And he cares. He knows how to rescue you and how to foolproof your relationships. So let me reassure you today. God wants you to be blessed in every relationship so that you can have godly and fulfilling interactions. His goal is to help every married couple have the best possible marriage. If you're married, God wants your marriage to be foolproof. If you're single, God wants to help you foolproof your relationships and stay pure till you get into a foolproof marriage. And that's why I'm here today to help you learn the wisdom to protect your life and your heart from damage. So let me share with you three reasons you should flee, not flirt. And here's your first truth today. Don't flirt, flee, because one thing leads to another. No one plans to fail at relationships. The problem is we just don't plan not to fail. Relationships are so vital to us, we have to plan for success and plan not to fail. If you're single, you need a strategy to not fail at dating. If you're married, you need a strategy to not fail at marriage. Left on autopilot, your marriage will struggle. One thing leads to another, and if you don't prevent the one thing, you'll end up with the other things that follow. So how can we stop the one thing from becoming another thing? Well, first of all, let's understand a few things about ourselves and how we act and think when it comes to relationships. First, we need to understand that we all tend to look for loopholes when it comes to relationships. Isn't it amazing that we have conversations with ourselves and we take ourselves and talk ourselves into doing things we know we shouldn't do? There are some things we know we shouldn't do, not that it's wrong, but it's just not wise. For example, if you have a lot of debt and you don't have a lot of money, you probably should not buy that new iPhone. You probably shouldn't go over to your friend's house at 10 a.m. when it's raining outside. You may say, I'm just going to say hi, but if you get tempted, you may fall. And we talk ourselves into dumb decisions, and then when we follow through on that dumb decision, we say, how did that happen? How could I have been so blind? It happens because we made a series of choices that weren't wise. Those choices may not have been wrong, but they weren't wise. And as a Christian, you have not been called to live with simply mere right and wrong. If you want the best life, don't ask yourself, what is allowed? Ask yourself, what is wise? Don't ask, what can I get away with and not get caught? Instead, ask, what's the wise thing to do? That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Bad moral decisions are generally preceded by a series of unwise decisions. Don't look for the loophole in your behavior. Look for the wise thing to do. 
Then here's the second fact we all need to accept. We all tend to be self-deceived when it comes to relationships. Because relationships and sexual issues are so emotional, we tend to follow our feelings rather than wisdom. And feelings are deceiving. You can't trust your emotions. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. See, friends, here's the truth. Emotions are wonderful. Life would be dull without emotions. But we were not created to live by our feelings. We were created to live in wisdom, knowing and understanding what God wants. Something may feel right. It may look right. Other people may tell you it's right. But that doesn't make it right in the sight of God. And this is especially true when it comes to the feelings and emotions we have regarding love, and sex. We're blinded by our own desires. We don't see objectively. And that's why we need boundaries. We need limits set by someone wiser than us so that we won't follow our own feelings and be deceived. But when we refuse to listen to God and we think we know better than God, then we are deceived. We exempt ourselves from the laws of God and believe we are above the consequences. An unwise person says, it may not be right for someone else, but I'm sure I can do it and go free. An unwise lady says, I can marry an unbeliever and it won't affect me. I love him. An unwise person says, I can sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend because we plan to get married. Other people may have been fooled, but I won't be. And because we're deceived, we make the next mistake. We all tend to push the limits when it comes to relationships. Pushing the limits is okay for some things. If you have a big exam on Tuesday morning and you wait till Monday midnight to prepare, you're pushing the limit. But nevertheless, you may escape and still score a good mark. If your flight is leaving at 10.25 and you don't leave your house till 9.45, you're pushing the limit. You may still make it, but if you don't, there's another flight tomorrow. But if you live on the edge morally and you go over, the consequences can set your entire life in a wrong direction. That's why God says in 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. God doesn't just say run from sexual immorality. He says have nothing to do with anything that could possibly stimulate or arouse sexual desires. Don't push the limit. Don't see how close you can get. Stay far away from immorality. And our goal as Christians should not be to see how close we can get to the edge. Our goal should be to see how far away from the edge we can stay and how close we can get to Jesus. Don't push the limit. For Romans 13, 14 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no, somebody say no, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. See, the fact is God sees what we don't see. He sees the powerful damage we do to our lives in the areas of relationships and sexual immorality. When we don't listen to him, he sees the damaging consequences. And that's our second truth today. Don't flirt, flee. Because the stakes are higher than you think. Friend, I cannot deny the truth. I can't lie to you today. There is no way you can read the Bible and come to any other conclusion. Sex outside marriage is sin. All sex outside of marriage is sin, and it's a serious sin. Sexual immorality is worse than you think. The stakes are higher, and the consequences are greater. 
That's the very clear truth we find in Ephesians 5, verses 3 and 5 to 6. Listen carefully. Let there be no sexual immorality or impurity among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, no impure person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And you can make all the excuses you want, but the truth is this. Those who practice sexual immorality will not make heaven. You may be a preacher. You may be a prophet. You may heal the sick and cast out devils. But if you commit sexual immorality, you will burn in hell for eternity. They're not part of God's kingdom, those who commit fornication and adultery. There's no way you can live a life of fornication and be a Christian. It's not possible. If you're sleeping with someone right now who's not your husband or wife, you need to repent and get right with God or you will miss heaven. I know that many people today have come to accept sexual immorality, fornication, adultery, as a normal part of life. There are even some preachers that say, well, it's not that big a deal. There are even some pastors, so-called pastors, who practice immoral lifestyles. I know many people think it's not bad or wrong. There are many in the church who say, well, I know it's a sin, but it's no big deal. It's not so bad. I will do it tonight and ask God to forgive me tomorrow. But friends, I don't know how the Bible can be any plainer or any clearer to us today. There's no place amongst God's people for sexual immorality. And anyone who practices immorality has no place in God's kingdom. And it says God's wrath and judgment will come on those who disobey. For 1 Corinthians 6.13 says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And here's the problem for all of us. We've all underestimated the power of sexual sins. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. And we have to flee because the power of sexual sin is greater than you think. And the fact is temptation is much easier to avoid than it is to resist. If you avoid temptation in the first place, you won't have to resist temptation in the second place. But few of us today embrace this truth for ourselves. We flirt. We don't flee. And since the power of sexual sin is stronger than we think, we must be careful. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Because when immorality begins, it destroys. For not only do we underestimate the power of sexual sin, but we all underestimate the consequences of sexual sin. Sexual sin is in a category of its own. I'm not saying it's worse than other sins. I'm saying sexual sins are unique in their impact on us. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.18. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And 1 Peter 2.11 adds to that with this warning. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And your soul is under attack when you commit fornication. There are serious consequences to sexual sin. You don't need to bind the devil when you're living in sin. You're attacking your own soul. You don't need Satan to attack you. You're attacking yourself. Now let me be clear. God can and will forgive you. If you commit adultery or fornication, you can be forgiven. When you repent and call on Jesus, you can be cleansed and still make heaven. But what's at stake is not forgiveness. What's at stake 
are consequences. And it's time to stop pretending that sexual sin is not serious. It's time to stop pretending that there are no consequences for the sin. It's time to stop pretending that adultery and fornication and masturbation and pornography are no big deal. It's time to stop pretending that you can be immoral and go free. I've seen firsthand the devastation sexual sins cause. Many years ago, there was a young lady in my church who'd been very immoral in her youth. She had so many partners and ended up having so many abortions. She damaged her womb, and to this day, she can't have children. She's married to a pastor. Christ has forgiven her, but they have no children. I had a young man at my church in Nigeria. He was a great young man, was the leader of our youth. But one day he was seduced by a young woman. He fell into fornication. Within three months, he developed mental illness. He lost his job and went mad. The woman he'd slept with was a witch. And she used her connection with the man to penetrate his spiritual life. See, the Bible tells us when we have sexual relationships with someone, you become one with them. Sex is not an act, it's an adhesion. Sex is not an event, it's an equation. The Bible says the two become one. Sex is not a physical task, it's a spiritual mystery. And that's why we need to realize that our bodies are not ours to do with whatever we want. Our bodies belong to God. For the fact is we all underestimate our obligation to God. Listen to how God views your obligation to him when it comes to your body. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, God says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And your body belongs to Jesus. Every part of your body belongs to him. He bought you with the price of his blood. So all you have and all you are belongs to Jesus. A few years ago, I sold a vehicle I'd owned for many years. The car had become old and worn out, and I decided to sell it. A buyer came along and bought the car. He paid cash, and I signed it over to him. Imagine what the new owner would say if I now turned up at his house this morning, and I told him, I want to take the car and use it. The new owner would have every right to stop me. He would say, I paid for this car. You used to own it, but now it belongs to me. I bought it. I gave you cash for it. You cannot take it and use it like you want. It's not yours any longer. And the new owner would be right. Nothing I could say would make any difference. I might say, oh, I only want to use it just this one night. It's just one time. It won't hurt anyone. I'll give it back to you in the morning when I'm finished. But the fact is the car isn't mine any longer. It doesn't belong to me. It has been bought with a price. And so it is with your body. You don't own your body any longer. Christ has a claim on every single part of you. You might say to him, oh, it's just this once. Just for tonight, God, I'll give my body back to you in the morning. It won't hurt anybody. You can take it later. But God says, no. He requires complete surrender from us. We are his. He bought us to deliver us from sin. So instead of asking, how far can we go, ask, how do I honor God with my body? If you were to take the rest of this year, and for every decision you made regarding your body, you asked, how can I honor God with my body, what would be the outcome? You would have less regret, you would have more peace, your relationships would be healthier, because God is for you. And if you honor him with your body, you'll be better off. And that's our third truth today. Don't flirt Flee, because it's the wise thing to do. To foolproof your relationships, you have to do the wise thing. 
Not what feels good. Not what everybody else is doing. Not what the movies and TVs show you. You have to do the wise thing. So in our final few minutes, let's get practical. Let's ask the question that will help guard you from regret, tears, apologies, and heartbreak. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? You have to examine your past, learn from your past, and make the changes for a better future. Only a fool keeps repeating the same mistake again and again. Proverbs 26.11 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. A young man came to me a few years ago. He was just 23 years old. He told me that he had promised God he would remain a virgin he got married. But one certain day, he met a lady. He went to her house and fell into fornication. He then told me, Pasta, since that day, every time I visit her, we fall into sin. Why is this happening to me? Is it an evil spirit? Son, the answer to why this is happening to you is simple. It's not a demon spirit. The answer is in the five words you told me. Every time I visit her. Stop visiting her and you'll stop committing fornication. In light of your past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? Stop going to her house. In other words, learn from your past. If every time you sleep with a guy, he ends up using you and abusing you, then don't keep making the same mistake over and over again. If every time you go to a nightclub, you get drunk and end up in bed with a stranger, then don't go to the nightclub. If every time you hang with Kwame, you get in trouble, then stop hanging with Kwame. On the other hand, if every time you watch my sermons, God speaks to you, then keep watching my sermons. In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing to do? And the same is true not just for you, but also for the person you're in a relationship with. In light of his past or her past, what's the wise thing to do? For the past is a better indicator than a promise. Don't believe the promise of that young man or that young woman. Look at the past. If that young guy has been with 50, different girls and he's broken with all of them what makes you think you're any different the past in his life is a better indicator than a promise and his past show you where you'll end up if a man will leave his wife for you he will leave you for someone else because your past will show up in your future That's why a wise person will examine not only his past and learn from it, but a wise person will also examine his present conditions and evaluate them. In light of my present circumstances, what's the wise thing to do? For Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. The folly of fools is deception. So a wise man sits and considers his present circumstances, but the folly of fools is deception. This contrasts with the wise person. The wise person is constantly evaluating his ways, his conduct, and his behavior, but the fool thinks that regardless of what I'm doing now, I will end up in a good place. The fool doesn't think his past will affect his future. He sees no connection from what he does today with what will happen tomorrow. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. My present path determines my future destination. The present you live today will be your past that will be present in your future. What you're doing now will follow you around. Your relational past will show up 
in your future. For example, self-control before marriage will equal self-control after marriage. If you're sexually immoral now, you will be after marriage too. The men and women who are the most promiscuous before marriage are the most promiscuous after marriage. Marriage doesn't cure lust, for if it did, married people wouldn't commit adultery. Sisters, can I speak frankly to you right now? If you dress like a prostitute, you'll attract men who are looking for a prostitute. If you use lust to catch a man, then lust will be the only way to keep a man. And no matter how hard you try, one day, one day, there will be someone younger, someone more beautiful, someone more sexy than you. Then what will you do? You caught him with your body and you will lose him with your body. Brothers, can I talk to you honestly for a moment? If you want to marry a godly young lady and have a great Christian home with children, then stop looking for her at nightclubs. Your dream girl is not at the nightclub. She's at church. The prudent give thought to their ways. When you look at someone's ways, you will see where they're headed. The path they're on is the best indicator of where someone is going. That's why wisdom examines the past, evaluates the present, and expects the future. In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? For Proverbs 27, 12 says, The wise see danger ahead and avoid it, but fools keep going and get into trouble. Personal vision is the catalyst you need for wise decisions. That's the truth we can learn from a young lady named Thubi from KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. Thubi comes from a poor rural family that could not afford to pay for university. Her future looked bleak. If she followed the footsteps of many of the girls in her village, she would likely have multiple children from multiple men all before the age of 18. She would likely be exposed to HIV or other sexually transmitted diseases. And like millions of other young women, she would grind out a living perpetuating the poverty that plagues so many in society today. But today, Thubi is a 22-year-old young lady, sexually pure, and finished from university. How did this happen? Her town set up a unique scholarship program for women called Maiden's Bursary Award. To qualify, young women have to be medically certified as virgins. And when they do, they receive a full scholarship to university. To maintain the scholarship, the women are tested every vacation. Listen to what Thubi said. We are keeping away from boys because we want to achieve our goals. I don't have children. I'm 22 years old. I must study hard and work hard to change and conquer the world. Thubi's personal vision of her future gives her the strength to make the wise decision. So let me ask you today, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? And in light of those dreams, what's the wise thing to do? Live like the world or live like God says? Change lovers like people change trotros, a new one every day? Or remain pure and let God bless you? In light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? To all the women watching and listening today, you are better than a life of sexual immorality. You're not just a cheap toy for every boy. You have a future and a hope. So make wise decisions today so you can achieve your dream tomorrow. To all the men watching and listening today, you are better than sexual immorality. Don't waste your money on some honey. You need that money to take you where you want to go. Don't sell your birthright for a night of pleasure. Your future is too bright to spoil. 
To all the husbands and wives watching and listening today, God has a destiny for your family. Your children have a future, but you need to stay together. What God has joined together, do not put asunder. Don't let an outsider creep into your marriage bed. Stay committed. Stay connected. Stay in God's will. That's why I say to everyone watching today, don't flirt. Flee. Because one thing leads to another. And the stakes are higher than you think. Don't flirt. Flee. It's the wise thing to do. Almighty Father, I pray for everyone watching and listening today that your Holy Spirit will grip them with the truth. Convict us, change us, purify us, help us to realize that we are yours and our bodies belong to you. Give us a fear of God and help us to avoid temptation so that we can overcome and remain pure. Help us to know and do the wise thing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House, New Testament Church in East Avon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here